Welcome back to part four of the amazing story of Yudbez Tamas. Shortly after being brought to prison, the Friedrich Rebbe was sitting down at the table across from the questionnaire, ready to interrogate him. The questionnaire had many questions to ask the Friedrich Rebbe, like, Who are you? Where do you live? What do you do? What's your hashkafa, your point of view, the way you look at the world? And who are your friends, your colleagues? The Friedrich Rebbe was adamant and he refused to answer most of the questions. He said, Those that brought me here know exactly who I am, so there's no need for me to identify myself. But if they won't share that intelligence with you, fine, I'll give you the basic information about myself. Then, the Friedrich Rebbe wrote on the paper his name and his address. And regarding what he does for a living, he said, I learn Torah and I do mitzvahs. And regarding my ideology, the way I look at the world, I don't have, I'm not into politics and I don't belong to any group. Then, the Friedrich Rebbe made a blank line through all the questions which he didn't answer because he didn't want that someone else should put in a false answer, making as if it was the Friedrich Rebbe that wrote the answer. So through making a line that would make sure that no one could fill in the blank. He signed his name, and then he was given a number. Because prisoners don't have names, they have numbers. And his number was 26818. Then, the questionnaire brought the Friedrich Rebbe to the officer that was in charge of putting the prisoners in their cells, and then he left. The Friedrich Rebbe demanded from the officer, Give me my tefillin, I need them. The officer was so taken aback and amazed by how strongly the Rebbe wanted his tefillin, because usually prisoners don't demand things. They may ask nicely, and usually the answer is no. But the way he demanded it led the officer to say, Fine, I'll bring your bag for you. The Friedrich Rebbe was led through a maze of long hallways, which was done to a lot of prisoners in order to make them feel like a prisoner. They weren't brought straight to their cell. They had to go all around on a long walk without realizing where they're going, and this way they feel broken down and like a prisoner. When the Friedrich Rebbe realized that the guard wouldn't allow him to put on his tefillin, he quietly took out his tefillin shalyad, and as he was following the soldier, the officer, he started putting on his tefillin shalyad, and they were walking towards a metal staircase. The guard walked quickly, and he was able to sense that the Friedrich Rebbe was falling behind, walking really slowly. So he turned around, and he saw the Rebbe was about to put on his tefillin shalreish. The officer, being angry and was furious with that, pushed the Rebbe in front of him. This caused the Friedrich Rebbe to fall down the entire flight of steps. Ay, ay, ay. Slowly and painfully, the Rebbe got up. With difficulty, he followed the guard into a small office. As the guard was looking through his belongings, the Rebbe continued to put on his tefillin shel reish and said the Shema. He was halfway through Shemayna Esrei when the guard looked up 
and saw the Rebbe was chuckling. He grabbed his tefillin and yanked it really hard. The Rebbe allowed him to remove the tefillin from his head because he was scared that if he would, if he would try to fight back, it could be the straps of the tefillin would tear. The Rebbe pointed out that according to the law, he's allowed to ask for a special request. So he decided to send some letters to the chief prosecutor, to the head guard of the prison, as well as to the agent that arrested him, Nachmanson. At six in the morning, the Rebbe was taken to his prison cell. It was exactly five hours and 15 minutes since they first entered his house. Exactly five hours of threats and pain. The cell that he was assigned to was on the sixth floor, room number 160. That room was small enough to hold only one prisoner, and yet he was the fourth, room, fourth prisoner in that room. When the other three prisoners saw the Friedrich Rebbe, they squeezed together even more to make more space for the Friedrich Rebbe out of respect and honor. Then the Friedrich Rebbe turned to the guards and he demanded that he get his tefillin back and he also requested that a doctor should look at his wound. One of the officers replied, A doctor? You have to wait till next week on Monday. And your tefillin? You're never going to get them back. The Rebbe said, If that's the case, then right now these prisoners will be my witness. I'm right now declaring that I'm going on strike. I'm going to go on a hunger and I'm not going to eat any food or drink anything until I get my tefillin. Then he got up and started davening without his talisman tefillin and sung a beautiful Herzige Nigen. The prisoners listened closely to the way the Rebbe was davening and singing a Nigen, and when he finished, he gave over a Dvar to them. All of a sudden, their eyes, which were dark from the fear of death, all of a sudden became bright with the words of Taira. It was 10 o'clock at Thursday night, 48 hours after the Friedrich Rebbe was arrested, and he was starving himself with not eating or drinking, that a guard came into his cell. He took the Friedrich Rebbe and brought him to be interrogated properly. As soon as the Rebbe walked into the office of interrogation, he said calmly, This is the first time I walked into a room and no one stood up for me. One of the officers were irritated. Don't you realize where you are? The Rebbe said, Of course, I'm in a place which is putter from having a mezuzah, just like a bathroom or a stable. This is a tame place. The chief interrogator was so surprised and didn't know what to answer that he decided to ignore it and go straight to listing off all the criminal activities that the Friedrich Rebbe was involved in. You are opening up Chedarim. You're collecting money for other countries. And you're writing letters back and forth to traitors and people of other governments which don't get along with Russia, our enemies. The Rebbe answered back to all of the accusations. Opening up Chedarim? That's not illegal. Karlinko, 
who is the chief prosecutor and the highest ranking prosecutor of all of Russia, he himself said that someone is allowed to teach his own children. So who should I listen to? You or him, the great man? Regarding collecting money from other countries, that's a good thing for the state of Russia because I'm helping the economy by bringing more money into the country. And regarding the last thing, that I am corresponding and writing letters with people in other countries, that's not illegal. There's no problem with that. Now, once again, the Rebbe asked, please give me back my tefillin. From here we see that although the Friedrich Rebbe was a prisoner in the worst prison, and he was treated with a lot of pain, being treated really harshly, and with a lot of humiliation, nevertheless, the thing that was on the top of the Friedrich Rebbe's mind is how can I serve the Eibishter? I'm going to do whatever it takes, and nothing is going to stand in my way. After many hours of questioning, when the interrogation was coming to a close, and the Friedrich Rebbe kept asking for his fill-in, Lulov, the other officer that went to arrest the Friedrich Rebbe, he barked in anger. You want your tefillin, but you'll, you'll be shot in the next 24 hours. Why do you care to have your tefillin? The Rebbe replied, don't worry, Hashem will help. The next day, on Friday afternoon, an officer did bring to the Rebbe his precious tefillin and svarim. That was the end of the first battle in prison that the Friedrich Rebbe fought, and he came out to be the one who won the battle. He received his tefillin. Now, the hunger strike was over. So the Rebbe requested, I'd like food that's made by my family, and I want it to be brought to me. A short while later, the guard brought a basket of food to the Rebbe. The challah that was in it was intact, it was whole. No one broke the challah open to see if there was anything hidden inside. When the personal guard of the Friedrich Rebbe saw that the main guard, the general in charge of the entire prison, improved his attitude towards the Friedrich Rebbe by trusting him and not opening up the challah and suspecting him, so the personal guard took that, took that as a sign that he should treat the Friedrich Rebbe with more respect. The effort to rescue the Friedrich Rebbe began even before the Rebbe was officially arrested. As soon as the Hasidim heard that the Rebbe had these unwelcome visitors, they realized that nothing good is going to come out of it. In fact, maybe the opposite. So immediately they began contacting people that were connected to the government and tried collecting as much information as they can in order to help clear the name of the Rebbe and know how to fight the accusations, the false accusations that come up against him. The night of the fateful arrest, Rebbe Tzimchaya Mushka, the second daughter of the Friedrich Rebbe, was about to enter the house together with her future husband, our Rebbe. It was one o'clock in the morning, and she noticed that the lights were on in her family's apartment, 
and she immediately felt that something was fishy. She turned to the Rebbe and said, I'll go upstairs alone. If everything is fine, I'll call you, and then you can come inside. But if there's some uninvited guests, so then I'll open up the shade just a little bit, and that will be a sign for you that there's some kind of trouble brewing up, and you'll know what to do. A few minutes later, the shades moved just a little bit. The Rebbe understood that there were some GPU officers in the Friedrich Rebbe's home, and they were searching for evidence that could turn up to make the Friedrich Rebbe look like a criminal. Immediately, the Rebbe ran to Rabbi Altais' house, and together, both of them went to the apartment of Reb Chaim Lieberman, who was the personal secretary of the Friedrich Rebbe. They destroyed every piece of paper that might be able to be used as evidence against the Friedrich Rebbe, and they left just a couple important documents, and they gave them over to Reb Zalman Duchman to keep. Boy, were they lucky that they did it immediately, because as soon as the last shred of paper was removed, they heard a loud knock on the house of Reb Chaim's house. Who was there? You can guess, it was the GPU officers. They came to look for some evidence, but it was too late because it was all destroyed. Already the next morning at 7 o'clock, the Cheshava members of the Jewish community met in the home of the Friedrich Rebbe in order to see what can they do on behalf of the Rebbe. The first plan that came to mind was maybe to use the ties that they had in different countries, for example in England, and to connect with government members over there in order to put pressure on the Russian government to help out the situation. That idea was pushed away because the Hasidim said that at this time, Russia wasn't really getting along with other countries in Europe. And if you're going to use ties from other countries, it might help. But on the other hand, they might use that as proof that the Friedrich Rebbe is a spy working for other countries who are trying to fight Russia. And instead of helping, it might make the situation worse. So the next option that they had was to go to the head of the Russian government directly to the top and work things out that way. Some Hasidim didn't like that option. They said that things could end up being worse instead of better. Why? Because the GPU, the local police officers, they are the ones that arrested the Friedrich Rebbe. And if they see that we Hasidim are going to go to the top government and not work with the GPU officers to figure out something, they're going to say, why are you not coming to us? Why are you going to the top? Maybe there's something suspicious going on over here. And what could end up happening is that people, even prisoners that didn't deserve to be harmed and would have been let out, when they see, when the GPU officers see that they went to the top government, they might cause that the prisoners should disappear. So if some Hasidim didn't like that option. So there was only one option left, and that was 
to go directly to the GPU, which were located in Leningrad. And this had to be done very carefully, because it was well known that Messing, who was the head of the GPU in Leningrad, was a big anti-Semite. So they were about to do the third choice of going to the GPU, but then they heard the news that the GPU in Leningrad decided that they want to chas v'shalom execute the Friedrich chas v'shalom. So at that point they decided, you know what, let's go to the higher authorities, let's go to the top in Moscow, and we have nothing to lose and everything to gain, let's see what we can do. So on Mustay Shabbos, they sent the old-fashioned email, which was known as a telegram, to the president and to the prime minister and to the head of the GPU in Moscow. They also informed the Jewish community leaders throughout Russia about the Rebbe's arrest and asked them to go and plead to the government that he should be released. Hashkacha Pratis caused that they should be led to a woman whose name was Mrs. Peshkova, who had an important job in the Russian government and was well respected. She agreed to do whatever she could, and actually she was helpful in having the Rebbe released from jail. The committee did not rest for a moment because they were racing against time because they knew that there was a death sentence that was awaiting the Friedrich Rebbe, and at any moment it could be carried out. Jews all over Russia sent private letters to the government pleading that they should help and take away the sentence that was awaiting the Friedrich Rebbe. Baruch Hashem, miracles upon miracles, all of the effort that was made turned out to be successful. The government in Moscow changed the sentence that instead of it being a death sentence, it's going to be 10 years of exile in Solovki, which was a faraway place in Russia. The excitement over the great news spread all over, and Hasidim were rejoicing with happiness when they found out about the good news that the Friedrich Rebbe would not be killed. But shortly after, they were left with mixed feelings. They were happy that the Friedrich Rebbe was alive, but on the other hand, where is he going? He's going to exile for ten years? That's not a pretty thing. It was like a nightmare, where few people that were sent there survived. Solovki was such a faraway place, and it was so cold and hard to live there, that even army officials would not agree to be stationed there, to stand guard on post. Instead, some of the worst criminals who were sentenced to be in exile in Solovki for many, many years, they would be stationed there as officers, and in exchange, they would get a few years off of their sentence. So the rescue committee decided that they're going to have to continue doing whatever they could do in order to take the Friedrich Rebbe out of this terrible situation. Their main goal was 
to try to prevent the government from actually deporting him there. If that wasn't possible, they hoped to postpone the punishment, that he wouldn't be sent to exile until later. And this way, they could have more time, and in that time, they could try to work things out. And if, chas v'shalom, the government would refuse to delay the Rebbe's sentence, so then, they would try to convince the officials that the Rebbe should be able to travel there on the regular rail, to take the regular train, and not use the transportation which was made for prisoners. Once again, Mrs. Peshkova stepped in, and she said she'll try her utmost to help the Rebbe gain the full freedom that he deserves. The Rebbe was scheduled to travel to the place of exile on Wednesday, on Choftes Sivan, exactly two weeks after he was arrested. That morning, Chassidim gathered at the prison gate in order that maybe they, should, they, sh- they would be able to catch a glimpse of the Rebbe before he boarded. The way it worked was that when prisoners were, se- were sent out to exile, their family members were allowed to enter the prison and see them before they would leave. So the Friedrich Rebbe's family as well entered the prison to be able to speak to the Friedrich Rebbe before his journey. But the strange thing was that the Friedrich Rebbe was not together with the other prisoners who were waiting to be deported. Chassidim realized that the Rebbe was high up on the third floor. Everyone was confused. If the Rebbe is going to be transported away together with the other prisoners, why wasn't he together with them? Why was he still in his cell? Mrs. Peshkova was working behind the scenes and after much negotiation, she convinced the Prime Minister to send a letter to the Leningrad prison saying that they should lessen the sentence of the Friedrich Rebbe. There were, there were rumors going around that the Friedrich Rebbe was not going to be freed. He was going to go to exile. But instead of going together with the other prisoners, it was, he was going to be delayed. And he was going to go that evening. But the pri- prison officials in Leningrad did not want to say a word. They didn't want to confirm the rumor or go against it. Which led that everyone should be confused. The Friedrich Rebbe's family decided to go to Mrs. Peshkova and ask her what was going on. They were really surprised and happy when they heard the news that the Rebbe would not have to go to Slovakia at all. Lulov was furious with the way things turned out. He was actually looking forward to seeing how the Rebbe would be punished for his crimes that he did against the government. So he brought the Rebbe into the interrogation room for a third time and he hoped that maybe he could ask some kind of a question and, and get some kind of answer from the Friedrich Rebbe which, would, which he could use against the Friedrich Rebbe and be able to use it as proof that the Friedrich Rebbe was a criminal. And this way he could keep him behind bars. Over the course of the next few days a lot went on which caused a total turn in events, as you shall see, 
in the next segment.